Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer. Well, tonight we're going to continue to look at, you know, I've been using Wednesday nights to talk about doctrine and various doctrines. Tonight I want to begin by having you do a little imagination thing. I want you to imagine uh, that you are an astronaut and that, you know, we have the capability of, you know, going to faraway planets. And so let's say that you, you know, you took one of the ships, you went to an unexplored planet and you disembarked to, to check things out on this planet. You come to this plateau, maybe this flat plain. And on that flat plain, on that plateau, there is these rock formations and the rocks and the, for, the formation makes uh, the shape of a triangle. And you'd look at that and you'd think that was probably an interesting coincidence. You might wonder, well, I wonder what kind of caused that phenomenon. It's interesting that it would be a, a, a perfect triangle. But, you know, you might not think much more about it with it just being a shape. But now, suppose that you were an astronaut, you got on the ship, you went to this planet, you started exploring the planet, you got to a plateau, you got to this flat plane, and there was a rock formation there. And the, it was in a pattern. And the pattern of the rock formation were the words, welcome, we're glad you're visiting. Would you think that it was, oh, that's a mere coincidence. And it's just, isn't that the wildest coincidence that there is a rock formation that says, welcome, we're glad you're visiting. No, you would look at something like that and you would say, whoa, well, there's obviously aliens here or something. There was an intelligence that put this rock formation together to put that message there because there, there, there's an intelligible pattern there. Only an intelligence could have put that together. It wasn't there by chance. It wasn't there by accident. It wasn't there by coincidence. An intelligence put a pattern with that message. Well, throughout the world and the universe, even within ourselves, even within our own bodies, there's a pattern. There is design. And yet, how many say, oh, it's all here by chance. You know, even through various sciences, it could be medicine, it could be anatomy, it could be astronomy, it could be archaeology, we can find different evidence of intelligence. We can find evidence of design. Unlike what many people think, you know, religion and science aren't at odds, it's just that there's disagreements over the interpretation of what is there. And there are many scientists who are coming to find there is an intelligent design. In fact, intelligent design as a science ha has really taken off in the past few decades. And what intelligence design shows us is through the sciences is that what, what the Jews and then the Christians have been claiming for many thousands of years, guess what, they were right. In the beginning, God created. 
While unbelievers, you know, in science, that they have this secular view, they claim to have a secular view. They, can't, they claim that, well, you know, we, we have the untainted view of things, why, why there is things in the universe, why there is a universe to begin with. They say that it is a neutral view, but it is not. It is not a neutral view. In actuality, all they're doing is just following a, a different religion. It's the religion of naturalism. Everything just happened by chance. Everything just happened naturally. There's no, there's no design behind it. There's no intelligence behind it. And yet, look at the evidence. There was this NASA, uh, this NASA uh, scientist named Robert Jastrow. And even though he wasn't a believer, um, he, he was sympathetic toward the notion of creation. And I guess you might call him more an agnostic. But he wrote several books that described kind of the dismay and frustration of scientists who they're, they're following their scientific methods, but their scientific methods is hindering them from actually going forward to understand what's really going on in the universe. And so this is, this is what he wrote. There is a kind of religion in science, it is the religion of a person who believes that there is order and harmony in the universe. Every event can be explained in a rational way as the product of some previous event. This religious faith of, scientists, of the scientist is violated by the discovery that the world has a beginning under conditions in which the known laws of physics are not valid. And it's a product of forces or circumstances that cannot be discovered scientifically. At this moment, it seems as though science will never be able to raise the curtain on the mystery of creation. For the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He is about to conquer the highest peak, and as he pulls himself over that final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. And what he is saying is, you know, these secular scientists, they're stuck in their method trying to explain the universe, and yet the beginning of the universe cannot, doesn't compute, so to speak, with what their scientific theories are. And the laws of physics cannot explain the beginning of the universe. And if they would follow the evidence where it would lead, they would find that theologians had already been there with the truth for thousands of years. In the beginning, God created. That is the foundational doctrine. And that is the truth of why there is something rather than nothing. That's kind of the scientific way that, that they put it. The scientists who are not believers cannot explain why there is something rather than nothing. Where, where did stuff come from? Well, it came from the Big Bang. Where did the Big Bang come from? Well, it came from this singularity. Where did the singularity come from? I don't know. Where'd the stuff come from that all of a sudden created the universe? Well, I don't know. 
How, why all of a sudden now did it all of a sudden happen? I don't know. Science does not have the answers to that, but we do. In the beginning, God created. This is the foundational, this is a foundational stone in the Christian faith. Because nothing else makes sense if we don't first establish that the universe and everything that is in the universe is not the product of random chance, but God created everything that exists outside of himself. We need to have that foundation to understand who we are. We need to have that foundation to understand what happened in the universe in the beginning God created. You know, I've been going through various creeds and confessions as starting points to discuss important points of doctrine, things that, you know, maybe a hundred years we would have thought would have been basic to the Christian faith, but now all these doctrines are coming under question by supposed Christians, by supposed theologians, by supposed churches. And we need to set these foundations again. These are very important dis discussions to have. And so I've been using creeds and confessions to, as kind of the jumping point. We don't agree with everything that the creeds and confessions say, but where they rightly summarize scripture, we do use them kind of as a, a jumping point, as a starting point to help us understand who God is, help us understand who we are and everything uh, in our relationship with him. I've been using the Baptist, uh, London Baptist Confession. Um, let me just read what it says uh, about creation and then just kind of jump from there. Uh, but what it says is, in the beginning, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was pleased to create or make the world and all things in it, both visible and invisible, in a six-day period and all very good. He did this to manifest the glory of his eternal power, wisdom, and goodness. After God had made all the other creatures, he created humanity. He made them male and female with rational and immortal souls, thereby making them suited to that life lived unto God for which they were created. They were made in the image of God, being endowed with knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness. They had the law of God written in their hearts and the power to fulfill it. Even so, they could still transgress the law because they were left to the liberty of their own will, which was subject to change. In addition to the law written in their hearts, they received a command not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. As long as they obeyed this command, they were happy in their communion with God and had dominion over the, the creatures. So, the, the confession uh, summarizes biblical belief uh, beginning at the beginning of the fact that there is a physical universe, but the physical universe did not always exist. The physical universe is not eternal. The physical universe had a starting point, and that starting point is with God. God spoke, and the universe came into existence. I'm not a physicist, I'm not a scientist. I couldn't explain to you everything that scientists claim as far as things like the Big Bang Theory goes. But here's my Big Bang Theory. God spoke, bang, there was creation. And everything came with it. So all the science stuff I'll leave to the scientists, but all I know is this, God created everything. 
Then, in fact, the triune God, it, it, it's interesting. The confession points this out, and Scripture points this out, that, that all members of the Trinity were a part of creating this universe, bringing something from nothing. There was nothing. It's called ex nihilo, which means out of nothing. God, there was nothing other than God, and God spoke, and then all of a sudden there was the something, and the Scriptures testify to the work of the triune God. For example, in Genesis 1, 1 and 2, I've been saying it a lot of times tonight, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without shape and empty and darkness was over the surface of the watery deep, but the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. John in his gospel talks about the Word who is Jesus Christ. And he says of the Word, all things were created by him and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Nothing exists outside of God that God did not create, that the Word was not a part of, the Spirit was not a part of, the Father was not a part of. Paul makes a claim in Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17, all things in heaven and on earth were created by Him. All things, whether visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions, whether principalities or powers, all things were created through Him and for Him. He Himself is before all things and all things are held together in him. He was before creation because God exists in eternity. And then he created everything visible and invisible, everything in the spiritual realm, everything in the physical realm was created by God. And everything is held together by him. God is holding, you know, we like to sing that song, he's got the whole world in his hands. Oh, he's got all of creation in his hands and he's holding it together. He's got everything, whether the spiritual realm or the physical realm, everything that exists outside of God was created by God. Angels, heaven, earth, stars, planets, galaxies, creatures, everything. In eternity, there was only God, and then God created everything from nothing. And this is important because we face so many opposing worldviews that try to tell us differently. This flies in the face of, oppo of, of opposing worldviews. For example, atheism, atheism that says there is no God. Well, God is the only explanation of why anything exists to begin with, because he is the first cause of all things that exist. They have no, they have no way to explain why something exists. We do, God. Materialism says that matter has always existed. It's just that matter is eternal and then all of a sudden matter decided to get together and create the planets and stars and creatures. Well, no. The problem with saying that matter is eternal is that even science itself says the universe had a beginning. Matter is not eternal. Matter didn't always exist. So materialism is not true. There's pantheism. You think of pantheism, you might think of Hinduism and, and religions like that. Pantheism says that God is in all things, and in all things, everything is God. I'm God, you're God, we're all God together. Lunch you had this afternoon is God, everything is God. However, the biblical claim is that God is separate from his creation. There is a distinction between creator and creation, and creation is under the authority of the creator. The creator rules and reigns over everything that 
he has made. And so God created. How did he create? He spoke everything into existence. Now the confession, the what I read, it assumes a young earth creation position because it talks about being literal six days. Now, I'm not going to start controversy, but there are other Christians out there who claim that, you know, who, who believe that God created everything, but they make some different claims about the six days. There's some who see the, it, see the six days as periods of time. There's some who see it as a literary uh, tool to explain how God created because God's creation would be too complicated to, to tell the Jews in Moses' day. You know, I, I think of um, physicist Hugh Ross, and he's written several books, and he, he talks about how Genesis 1 is, is written from the perspective of somebody standing on the earth and just seeing what, what God does. And he says it's over long periods of time, but he, he holds to, you know what, there, there's no evolution, literal Adam, literal Eve, things like that. Um, so, you know, th there are Orthodox Christians who hold differing views on this. One of my professors, Ted Cable, he wrote a book entitled Controversy of the Ages, Why Christians Should Not Divide Over the Age of the Earth. And he writes it to remind us that the age of the earth issue is not a salvation issue. It's one that's worthy of discussion. As long as someone believes that God created the heavens and the earth, you know, that God created things. I mean, you can't really be a Christian and say, well, no matter is, is eternal. And no, I mean, either God, you have to say that God created everything uh, from there. Then, of course, there's that whole issue of evolution. There's, there's a lot of conservative theologians from the past who, even though they, held, they, they hold or held, they're all dead now, but, you know, they held to the inerrancy of Scripture. Um, they, they, they kind of tried to reconcile, I guess, you could say, evolution and creation. I, I think of B.B. Warfield. B.B. Warfield was one of the most conservative guys from, from Princeton. I know you don't think of Princeton as being theologically conservative, but back in the 1800s, it was. 1800s, early 1900s, Princeton was, I mean, Princeton was the epitome of conservative Christianity. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. But, um, you know, B.B. Warfield was there, very conservative. He wrote a wonderful book on the inerrancy of Scripture, but, you know, he kind of tried to, comp tried to reconcile evolution and, and creation. And I, I believe there, there's a lot of scientific and theological issues with that concept of evolution. That's macroevolution. I know earlier we were having a discussion about how some, some creatures adapt. That's not evolution, though. That's adaptation. They might call it microevolution or something like that, but, I mean, it's just adaptation. There is no scientific evidence for evolution as we consider it, no, and no theological basis, I think, uh, either. So don't go around, just because I say the word evolution, don't go around and say, Brother Al believes in evolution. You know, I don't. I don't believe in evolution. I'm not a Calvinist. Uh, okay, just make sure we, we get all the controversial subjects covered here. 
Because after last week, you know, I, I, I am not a Calvinist. Not. Just want to put that out there. But I have friends who are. And it's okay. Again, discussion items, you know. Discuss, discuss your end time views. Whatever. Jesus is coming back. But anyway... Boy, I'm going on a rabbit trail. You know what? Let, uh, tonight, I'm just, I'm just going to talk. First off, don't do that when you have a hurt shoulder. Second off, I'm just going to talk about every possible controversial subject that there is tonight. What, what else can we get on? Anyway, let me try and remember what in the world I, I was talking about. But anyway, God created all things. There was a literal Garden of Eden. There was a literal Adam and Eve. There was a literal fall. And so we want to make sure we get, we, we get uh, out there. Now, why did God create? Um, it was not made out of any necessity. God didn't lack anything and said, you know what? I feel like making things because I'm lacking something. I mean, he is sufficient in and of himself. The confession tells us that all things were created simply for the manifestation of the glory of God's eternal power, wisdom, and goodness. It's not that he was lacking glory, but creation was just a way to display glory uh, that he already possessed. Paul tells us in Romans 1.20, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen because they are understood through what has been made. So people are without excuse. I mean, it, creation was there to put God on display, really, to point to his glory. God, in the beginning, God created. God created everything. But, but, you know, knowing that God created everything in, in Genesis chapter 1, you know, describes that. But Scripture spends a good amount of time on one particular aspect of creation, and that is the creation of humanity, mankind. Humanity was God's special creation. Humanity was the crowning achievement of everything that God had made. And, and uh, you know, unlike what scientists, some scientists claim, humanity is not just some other animal among many other animals. Humanity is, is different. Humanity was made special. Humanity has things that animals do not. And so we read in Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27, God said, let us make humankind in our image after our likeness so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over all the creatures that move on the earth. God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I'm not going to... I'm not going to go on another rabbit trail, even though, man, I, I mean, I, I really feel like I, I want to, but y'all need to get home eventually tonight. Male and female, he created them. I, I mean, I don't know how much clearer we can get from that, but there it is. So, male and female. <laughs> Two. Just two, male and female together, both in the image of God. Now, the, uh, Genesis 2 gives, gives a little bit more information about the creation of humanity. It shows that humanity is made of both body and spirit or soul. 
whichever you want to want to call it. Um, the confession, uh, I believe, describes it as rational and immortal souls, and so humanity is made with a visible and an invisible part, and they are made together. Man, humanity is created to be a spiritual, physical being. Now, with the introduction of sin into the human nature, the visible, physical part of humanity, the body, it, it does perish. But the immortal soul lives on. And so after death, the immortal soul goes to, well, wherever it's headed, depending on what you do with Jesus Christ. The soul that, that uh, you know, it's a temporary situation, but the soul that believes in Jesus Christ will, will go in, into heaven, and the soul that does not believe in Jesus Christ will go to the place we call uh, hell. But there's gonna come a day when Jesus returns and all souls are gonna be reunited with a body, but there's two different bodies that, that Revelation talks about and, and Paul talks about really as well. For the believers, they are given a glorified body made for the new heaven and new earth, made for eternal life with Jesus Christ. Humanity was made to be both spiritual and physical, and so humanity is going to be spiritual and physical, and so believers will have a glorified body to be with Christ forever in the new heaven and new earth. But the Bible does tell us that unbelievers, they also are given a body, but it is a body made for destruction. It is a body made for eternal death in the lake of fire. That is, humanity was always made. And, and the reason I, I, I'm kind of emphasizing this is because there's philosophies and religions out there that claim that the physical is inherently evil and, you know, it, it, and it, everything is spiritual, so we want to get rid of the physical to, to deal with the, the spiritual. But the thing is, yeah, the physical is corrupted right now, but God created man, humanity, to be physical and spiritual, body and soul. And so it, it's going to be body and soul that exists for all of eternity. But humanity is different from the rest of creation because humanity alone, not the angels, not any of the creatures, birds, fish, monkeys, whatever, none of, none of the creatures were made in the image of God. Only humanity was made in the image of God. And, and the confession describes it as being endowed with knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness. There's a lot of debate about what um, you know, the image of God entails. At minimum, the image of God is the fact that humanity is able to commune with God, able to commune with their creator and be his representative on earth, and we're given dominion over the earth. As the confession points out, only humanity is able to have the law of God written in their heart. Yes, sin corrupted the heart, but in Christ, the heart is renewed, a new spirit is given to humanity, and the law is rewritten on our hearts through Christ. And since humanity alone has, was made in the image of God, only humanity can be redeemed by God and forgiven uh, of their sins. And so, you know, there's a whole lot more that, that goes on um, with, with creation. Because, yes, humanity did have a choice. Humanity was given the choice. Will you trust God and follow and obey him? Or are you going to go do your own thing? Well, the serpent came along and, and tempted Adam and Eve, and they decided we're going to do our own thing. 
And humanity has been doing their own thing ever since. But God so loved humanity that he sent Christ to die. But we wouldn't understand what Christ has done if we don't understand the whole concept of creation. It, makes no, it would make no sense. And yes, there was a literal Adam, a literal first Adam, you know, Adam and Eve. Because Paul tells us in Romans chapter five that Jesus is the second Adam. The first Adam has created a people, all of humanity that is under the curse. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, created a humanity that has been forgiven and saved. And so there's that, that juxtaposition. So you're either an Adam or you're in Christ. And I pray everyone here is in Christ. So I'm talking about creation. Why, is, why in the world is any of this significant? Well, one, creation is the basis for all scientific endeavors. I mean, it, the first scientists were Christians because they knew that God had created a rational universe. The universe only makes sense because God made it that way, right? God created a rational universe that could be explored. Without God's act of creation, uh, I mean, besides the fact that nothing would exist, uh, it is the fact that it would be chaotic. The, wor the world would not be sensible. If God did not create, it doesn't matter what some scientists try and say, this protein and this protein wouldn't have had anything to do with one another, and they wouldn't have created anything. But as you know, the, the beginning of Genesis 1 tells us, God created, and he, he created the raw material, and it was formless and void. And so what did he do in days one through six? He formed it, and then he filled it. He made everything in, in, in it rational. I mean, he put it all together. That's why we have what we have. And so that's why it's very important to, to understand creation. Secondly, mankind being made in uh, God's image, we've been endowed with creative abilities um, to be able to glorify God through our talents, through our gifts. Um, you know, we're made in his image. I mean, obviously God created everything, but we can create on a very small scale in different ways, we, be it rational, musical, uh, artistic, anything. We can create in, in different ways. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not musical and I'm definitely not artistic, but I might be able to use my brain to do something, you know, with it. Create something with it. We're, we're all creators in, in some small form or, or, or fashion. We're made in the image of God. The image is marred right now, but it's, the image has never been taken away. So, uh, third, some might say that um, God's Trinitarian relationship in creating the world gives us a basis for our social and cultural relationships uh, within humanity. Uh, but, but four, uh, I think is very important, because God created, we are faced with the sovereignty of God. He's in charge, but we also learn that we can trust him. If God created everything by his word, I mean, he's more than capable of taking care of everything that's going on in our lives. I mean, you look at the vast universe, God is able to, God hold, the, the Bible tells us, God holds this universe together. If he's able to hold the entire universe together, he's able to hold our lives together. 
as well. He really can. So it's all God's creation. So the, the next time you see a cute animal, I don't know why, I, you know, when, on Instagram, I, I have just gone into all these cute animal accounts. Man, otters, I want a pet otter. Man, otters are the cutest things you ever done saw. Or red pandas. Red pandas are pretty cool. Sloths, they might not look like a whole lot, but I'll tell you what, they're pretty neat animals as well. You, you look at these animals and you think they're cute. Have you ever heard of a quokka? Q-U-O-K-K-A? That's another animal you need to look up. They're, they're cute as can be. But um, you look at these animals, oh, all, and all the richness of the diversity of these animals. And you think, oh man, isn't it wonderful how by chance we have all these cute animals? Now, mind you, yeah, there's a lot of ugly animals too, but you know what? They're all beautiful in God's eyes. <laughs> the next time you see a cute animal, the next time you see a beautiful sunset, let it just be a reminder of, of a God who holds it all together. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening, and God bless.